0: Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Let's stand together, take your Bibles. Thank you, musicians. We're going to spend a few moments in John. John chapter 12, the Gospel of John. Then we're going to go to Paul's epistle to the Church at Galatia, Galatians chapter six. This evening at six thirty is our evening service. Welcome. We hope you can come and join us. Praise the Lord. Six thirty prayer time is at six o'clock in the prayer room. Praise the Lord. John chapter twelve and. Uh, Two verses of Scripture, verse 32 and 33. My Bible in verse 32, it's in red, noting that this is words of Christ our Lord. He said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Verse 33 states, this he said, signifying what death he should die. And we know that was the death of crucifixion. Now let's go to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14. Paul the apostle writes, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. God forbid that I should glory, save, that means accept, in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can we take a moment and just thank him for the cross? Father, thank you this morning for this opportunity. We ask that the cross be refreshed in our memories, in our minds, Lord, in our thoughts, as, Lord, we just focus for a few moments on the cross and the price that you paid, Lord, to bring life and uh, spiritual uh, security to the believer. Thank you that that's possible. In the name of Jesus, we pray. All God's children say amen. 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 God bless you. You can be seated. Well, uh, today and this weekend has kind of been all about remembering. And uh, so I'm just going to talk this morning about refreshed memories. And I was thinking how the English writer, I think uh, he was somewhat of a lay theologian, and I know he was a philosopher, uh, G.K. Chesterton, Uh, he seemed to always have his mind preoccupied so that he would frequently forget to keep appointments. And so it got to where he had to rely on his wife for all of his matters of scheduling and to keep him uh, where he needed to be. Once while on a lecture tour, uh, he sent her a telegram saying this, and I quote, he said, I am in Birmingham, where ought I to be? And she wired back one word, home. I confess that uh, I, like many of you, need reminders, right? Right. Um, And I really don't like the fact that I need reminders, but the truth is I need them. Uh, I need to be reminded of meetings and family plans, phone calls, doctor's appointments, and even haircuts. Um, Matter of fact, every time I make an appointment, you know, whether it's doctor or something, um, and they ask if I want a text reminder, I say, absolutely. How many, get, how many get the text reminders? They can be a lifesaver. It's like, whoa, I totally forgot about that one. Uh, but I also found out that reminders can be annoying sometimes because they always seem to pop up when I'm in the middle of something. Um, that the way it is? Uh, reminders can also be embarrassing Uh, occasionally uh, when I'm reminded I get embarrassed because I I become annoyed with myself uh, because it's humiliating to admit I have forgotten a certain detail or event or what have you I I have come to realize though that without reminders my life would be a series of missed meetings and missed events or missed opportunities how about you just just keeping it real so we all need reminders from time to time so that we don't miss the important things of our lives, even if the reminders sometimes are inconvenient and embarrassing. And if we are not reminded of the important things, I think it is very likely that we'd, we would replace the significant with the trivial. And and this being Memorial Day weekend here, uh, it's known also as a decoration day Uh, it was originally established as uh, to commemorate the soldiers who who gave their lives in the american civil war later it was expanded to honor uh, u.s military personnel who have died in all of the wars and and really memorials are not unique to just us american citizens israel observes uh, somewhat of a Memorial Day as well. They honor their dead. Great Britain has uh, recovered ancient documents that reveal uh, memorial ceremonies for the Viking warriors uh, who died in battle. Uh, To this day, France celebrates uh, Bastille Day, which commemorates its own civil revolution. So memorial stones, memorial events, ceremonies, buildings, whether it be uh, museums, statues, um, all of those reveal the nature of the human heart uh, that sometimes we, we forget, but that we also need to remember our heroes, yeah. right? right. Yeah. Um, we've all had loved ones pass on, and uh, I was reading, I thought it interesting that if you uh, if you would like, and you actually have enough money to do this, you can join uh, the International Star Registry and name a star after your uh, deceased loved one. And then you will receive a framed picture of the constellation with your star circled in red. Uh, you'll find also receive a dedication date and the telescopic coordinates of your star because these star names are copywritten or copyrighted, uh, future generations then can identify the, the star name in their directory and locate that actual star that you have named for your loved one in the sky for years or generations, Lord Terry, to come. Uh, they said since 1979, hundreds of thousands of stars out in our uh, galaxies have been named for individuals worldwide i thought that was interesting i read that little bit this week and said well i guess that's one way folks want to remember their loved ones i I was thinking at other uh, memorials like the famous american memorial the lincoln uh, memorial they're located in dc Um, anybody been there raise your hand if you've been there you've been to dc Uh, it's a stunning structure designed to resemble greek a greek temple it has 36 uh, Grecian columns representing the number of states at the time of Lincoln's death. Uh, without a doubt, uh, you know I've heard it said: the greater the hero, the more incredible the memorial. Uh, today, though, I'd like to refresh our memory in regard to uh, a memorial in Christianity and for the believer. How many know uh, the memorial of Christ is the cross? Amen. Uh, I'd like to say he's my hero, right? Uh, It's not a stone monument, is it? It's not a marble building. It's just simply two wooden beams. But yet, it has a message. Thank God for the message of the cross. Amen? Amen. And like I said, if you used to go visit the Lincoln Memorial, uh, you discover, I think it's on the south wall, if I've got my directions right, uh, are the words of Lincoln's uh, Gettysburg Address. And above those words, you would see a painting uh, displaying the, I think it's called the Angel of Truth. And in that painting, he is freeing the slaves and I mention that because that that is a memorial with a message. Right? Yes. And in the same way, according to the Apostle Paul, the cross has a message. It's a memorial with a message. And its message is, is another declaration of liberating freedom. And I'd like us to examine the spiritual reality because... Christ himself said he would be the one, if he's lifted up, he would be the one to what? To draw all men. And when it comes to Christianity, we need to remember that it's not necessarily the church. It's not necessarily our good lives. Uh, It isn't even the Bible that, in a sense, draws people to Christ, Those things can certainly point the way, but they in themselves do not have that ultimate drawing power, right? It's the cross. That's what our text shows us. It has that magnetic pull, and as a church, we proclaim it. Our lives should confirm it. The Bible records it, and in the end, people come to, to God because that, that magnetic draw, that force within Christianity that has the power to pull people towards Christ. And so I wanted to share with you three observations, and then we'll conclude. Number one, first observation, the cross has the power to set men free. Amen. Whether they admit it or not, how many know all people carry an incredible load of anxiety, fear, because of guilt. This is normal because the Bible says all are guilty. All are guilty of sin. This fact has been well documented throughout the pages of Scripture. And the pervasiveness of sin is really a core biblical doctrine. Paul said it in Romans 8, 23, for all have... Sin comes short of the glory of God. This common guilt has caused people to seek relief from that guilt. And how many know in our culture they seek it from the mental and emotional and physical ravages caused by the effects of sin, uh, whether it's social reform or new philosophies or they seek it in drugs and magic and even denial. All of these and more have been tried, but how many know to no avail long term. They have been unsuccessful because none of these so called solutions can do what the cross does, which is remove the cause of guilt, which is sin. And these other things deal with the symptoms of sin, but the cross effectively can eliminate that root cause, which is sin itself. First Peter, I believe it is, the apostle Peter wrote in 2 Peter uh, 2.24, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, for by whose stripes we were Healed. That's not physical healing alone. It's spiritual. It's emotional. And Peter proclaims that Christ heals us of the effects of sin by removing our actual sins from us and taking them them on himself at the cross. You know, he doesn't excuse our sin, does he? He doesn't hide them. He removes them. Through a process, say this word with me, transference. Transference. This is a process that was previewed for centuries by the Jewish sacrificial system. In the Old Testament, when the priest would offer up an animal as a sacrifice for someone's sins, read it, he would first lay his hands upon the animal. As a symbol that a transfer was taking place. Leviticus chapter 4, verse 13 through 21 is an example of this. The sins of the individual were being transferred to the animal and the animal was being slain in order to symbolize that the payment for the moral price of sin, which is death, was paid. And so with the sin symbolically transferred to the animal and the animal then sacrificed, the person was thus cleansed from the burden of guilt caused by his sin. Now, of course, we know today that that was just a preview of what was to come hello because christ the perfect innocent lamb took on the sins of all men, not symbolically but literally and then offered up his sinless eternal being in a sacrifice on the cross made he made the moral payment for all sin for all time oh somebody ought to raise your hands and say thank you lord His divine nature made his sacrifice good enough, valuable enough, to exchange not for just one person, but all of us. So people are attracted to the cross because they see in it the place where they can transfer all of their sins and be released from that guilt. When people hear how Christ died in order to pay the moral debt that they have before God, they are attracted because they have found the only way of dealing with their guilt that removes it forever is called forgiveness. I'm thankful I've been forgiven. Is there anybody that's been forgiven in the house this morning? Because the most compelling words to a sinner in the New Testament are like words from Peter and Paul. For example, Peter said in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. Paul said in Romans 8.1, There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No more guilt. Sins were transferred to the cross. Forgiveness comes from the cross. Guilty sinners are drawn to the cross. Praise God. And the cross is a memorial to a redeemer who bought us out of slavery when we were impoverished beggars. And those who are redeemed by him becomes his bride. Right? How many is glad you're part of the church? The Bride of Christ. And one day we will, there will be a presentation of the Bride. I plan to be at that wedding ceremony. There's going to be a wedding reception called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb, right? Somebody said it's not going to be a, a, a southern wedding s- a reception. They said it's going to be a northern wedding reception with a sit-down meal because southern wedding receptions you just get peanuts and a cup of punch but i say no this is not going to be a southern it's going to be a northern style wedding reception an expensive sit down meal that costs a fortune for someone they say that one of the main reasons northerners do not smile as much as southerners are they still they're still paying for their kids weddings I'm sorry, that's way outside the text. (laughs) But isn't it incredible that the memorial to to these great truths is not a memorial built of marble with Grecian columns or or stately pillars of, of stone etched with royal inscriptions. No, our memorial is made of wood and stained with the royal blood of the Son of God. And on that wooden cross hung the Son of God, the Redeemer of all who believe in the satisfaction of God's holy justice. Somebody say, I've been forgiven. And if you've not experienced that forgiveness this morning, hallelujah, you can. Praise God. Okay, observation number two. The cross... has the power to create in me a desire for righteousness. So number one was the cross has the power to set men free. Number two, the cross has the power to create in me a desire for righteousness. Now, even though a person cannot achieve perfection on this earth, It's the cross of Christ that gives us the thirst for it. How many know no law can produce this in a person's heart? No threats of punishment can make me want what is right and good. I'll do it out of fear, but you can't force me to want to obey. And no amount of self-discipline or willpower can make a person love righteousness. However, the cross of Christ has attraction because it has the power to create this desire in the human heart. You say, how? Well, when I contemplate Christ's sacrifice for me, I see for the first time the essence of God's deepest goodness and his purest justice. And I see by the cross that I, that I worship a God who took upon himself a human nature, a human form, right? right? He entered into human history in order to suffer punishment for the sins that I commit. And for which I truly deserved punishment. Isn't that right, Broadway? Broadway? In other words, God transfers my sins upon himself. And this knowledge awakens me to have a desire that Paul explains. I believe it's in Romans chapter 7. Let me just read it here. For when we were in the flesh, notice this, the motions of sins which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law. That being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So in the same way that I craved the pleasures of sin before I came to the cross, now after the cross... I hunger and I thirst after righteousness. Why? Because I have seen what perfect righteousness can do. Because of the law, the sin in me was awakened, but because of the cross, the spirit in me was awakened. Moreover, the cross makes me want to abandon abandon my weak attempts at goodness and self-justification through works and, and, and really desire to be good and righteous as he is good and righteous because his righteousness totally eclipses my own. And there are many things in our culture that will change a person's appearance, even his state of mind, but only church, only the cross has the power to change a person's heart. Before the cross, I desired only what served me. But after experiencing the cross, all I desire is what serves the Lord. That's the true test. Amen. Does this make it sense? I hope so. Final observation number three. The cross has the power to convince me that I am Loved. Praise God. One of the common issues found in diverse problems such as teen suicide, depression, alcohol, drug abuse, marriage breakdown, they say a lot of the common issue is one called low self esteem. Sometimes we just don't like ourselves very much. We worry about our value. We have trouble liking others because we have a poor estimate of ourselves. Sometimes it begins in youth when in different ways we get messages that tell us, you know, whether it's the names other kids call us at school growing up, whether it's failures in, in school, maybe it's trouble in the home. Listen, whether these messages are correct or not isn't the problem. The problem is that we begin to think they're true. And so we begin to store them away in our subconscious minds. And in many ways, these kinds of thoughts motivate us as we grow older, we, we try to improve, we, we quiet the inner voice that says you're not worthy or you're no good and you'll never be good enough. Children grow up believing they're broken. They're not okay. They become angry. They become depressed. They become frightened and insecure adults who often end up raising the same kind of kids. Somebody say it's a cycle. Oh, but the cross. I said the cross has the power to break the cycle because it loudly and clearly says... I love you. You are deeply cared for. And when nobody cares about you, and even when you don't care about yourself, the cross says Christ cares. Praise God. Paul says in Romans 5, 6 and 8, that the cross convinces me that I am loved because in it, I see that God loved me even when I ignored or ridiculed and even hated him. He was planning my salvation. See, the innocent one died for the guilty one. John writes in John 15, 15, Henceforth I call you not servants, but I call you friends. And the cross draws us because it has the power to convince us that no one has ever loved us in this way that Christ loved us. And see, even if our personal history is filled with people and events that have told us that we're not worthy of love, the cross of Christ stands as an eternal witness that no matter what, God loves us. And so long as we keep our focus on the cross, we'll never doubt that we have been accepted in Christ. And in Romans 8, 16, Paul says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And this is true, but the power of the gospel is the cross of Christ. Why? Because it draws me because of its power to release me from the crushing burden of guilt that I carried because of my sins. And it redirects the attention of my heart. Once I craved my own glory and independence from God, but now I desire to glorify Him and know His will for my life. The cross has the power to reestablish my worth as a person. Before that cross, we tried to be important. We tried to be loved by manipulating others and using money and competing with others. But now our importance is based on the fact that God has loved us and sacrificed himself for us. And I can honestly say that the power that the cross has is the power that completely changes our lives. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Here's how it works. In order for the cross to begin to have any power at all, Christ had to first die on it and then resurrect from it. And this is what gives the cross its power. The death, the burial, and the glorious resurrection of our Lord. See, in the same way for the cross to have power in our lives, we must also die and then resurrect. Christ actually did this on that wooden cross over 2,000 years ago. Our death and resurrection are carried out as we confess our faith in Christ, repent of our sins, and I pray that the power of the cross can draw us to obey the gospel. And it can this very day if we haven't yet done so. How many know you can do so today? Somebody say, thank God for the cross. I'm just refreshing our memories. I'm just refreshing our memory. The cross... Shows us he loved us like no one else. Praise God. All right. Let me let me begin to close. A mother I, I read about she was a mother of three children. The stresses of parenting. sent her to visit the family counselor and that's that's not a problem i want to tell somebody if you need counseling get it get it it's not it's not wrong it's not bad to get help right mom went to the counselor in the course of the session counselor asked says mom which of your three children do you love the most and of course she answered instantly. She said, I love all three of my children just the same. And counselor thought the answer seemed a little too quick. So he, he probed, and he said, come now. He said, do you really love them all the same? She affirmed. She said, yes, I love all three of my children equally. He replied, but that's psychologically impossible. If you're not willing to level with me, then we can't continue this session. With this, mom got tears in her eyes, and she said, all right. She said, I do not love all three of my children the same, because when one of my three children is sick, I love that sick child more. When one of my children is in pain or lost, I love that one more. When one of my children is confused, I love that child more. And when one of my children is, is bad, really bad, I love that one more. But she said, except for those exceptions, I love them all three just the same. And I thought, you know what? I like that mom's answer. Because the cross says that God especially loves those who are hurting. Hmm? Hmm? The cross says that God especially loves those who are under the penalty and the power of sin. The cross says that God especially loves those who are broken beyond repair. The cross says God loves us just as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. So if you're facing an impossible situation or you're just tired of the constant flow of bad news, the message from the memorial of the cross is for you, listen, He loves you. Amen. And He gave Himself for you. Because the cross, says John Junecombe, the cross was the greatest victory ever won on this earth. Right? Why? It shows the depths of God's love for us. Christ loved us so much, He paid our ransom. So no trial is too big for God. The cross is proof of His love and victory. And all that we believe is wrapped up in the cross, Broadway. It is the central truth of the Christian faith. It is the preeminent event of human history. The cross is our message, the cross is our hope, the cross is our confidence. It is our bridge uh, to, from here to heaven. It is our badge of honor, an emblem of suffering and shame. That's what the M writer said. And though the world despised the cross, how about we rally around it, right? Let's stand together. Because in the sign of the cross, how many know we're gonna conquer? Hello, church. I don't know about you, but I love the cross. That's why we preach the cross. We stand by the cross. And may we never be ashamed of the cross, right? How about over here? Don't ever be ashamed of the cross. Don't ever be ashamed of the cross. says if I be lifted up he said if I be lifted up not me him if he is lifted up oh church how many raise your hand and say I want to hold the banner high I'm going to hold it high we lift it high because it is the hope of our world in a world that is broken in a world of crisis there is no greater power than the power of the cross Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's the only power that can lift men and women out of their sins, release them for their condemnation, give them new life, set their feet in a new direction. Christianity is supremely the religion of the cross. And through the world, or though the world may not want to hear it, we must preach it and preach it over and over and over again and then urge men and women to run to the cross. Hallelujah. And someday in heaven we'll sing together, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Hallelujah. May we recall the words of Isaac Watts. He wrote that hymn, when I surveyed the wonders cross on which the Prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Were the whole world of nature mine, that were present far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. May our memories be refreshed on this Memorial weekend. Thank the Lord for the cross. Go ahead and raise your hands. Lift your voice love you Jesus thank you for what you did at the cross oh is there anybody in the house that really can say thank God I'm a changed person how about it brother how about it sister how about it mom and dad can you testify to the change that the cross had brought in your family in your life Hallelujah, as they sing it. Would you just slip out of your seat? Why don't you find a place? I want to invite you to come. Just take a moment. Stand across this front. And let's just let our memory be refreshed about the cross. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's it. Thank you for coming. God bless you. Hallelujah. Let's just let our minds be refreshed.